through February 28th, get a choice of offers from Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, like up to 24 months no payments and no interest, or up to $1,125 off a patio door. Get details at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. You know, we talk a lot about the cancel culture. And one of the things I think that is so frustrating about it is that there is absolutely no consistency. For example, earlier this week, we talked about the story about former professional golfer Mark Lai. And he had, understand, had is the word, a radio show on, on the serious um, X. Because in the context of talking about how he likes to watch women's golf, I, by the way, like to watch women's golf as well. He, he, and he, he said, you know, women's golf has got, essentially what he was saying was women's golf has gotten a lot better over the last 10 years. I really enjoy it. He said, unlike the WNBA, which I have no interest in watching. Now, what he said is, boy, the WNBA, I mean, I just, just the women's basketball, just shoot me. Okay, that, that's what he said. He was expressing his opinion. He got fired, not for using the just shoot me reference, but he got fired for apparently being sexist because he said that he didn't like women's basketball. All right, well, I, it, and which raises this whole question about, okay, what, what can you say and, and what can't you say? Can you say, gee, I, I prefer like watching women's tennis to men's tennis, which candidly I, I do. Uh, okay, does, does that mean that, okay, you're sexist because you don't like men's tennis? I, I don't know. But nobody exactly knows the standard. I don't even know that there is a particular standard. It's just what outrages somebody at a particular time. So Mark Lye loses his gig for saying he doesn't like to watch um, the women's NBA. All right? <laughs> Anthony Weiner. Remember Anthony Weiner? He was the congressman from New York who was part of this big power couple. He was married to Huma Abedin, who was the, the principal advisor to, to Hillary Clinton. And Weiner was the guy who, first of all, had to resign from Congress in disgrace because he was taking photos of his junk and then texting them out. And so that all came out, so he resigned in, in disgrace. So then, after that, he decided that there is a comeback in American politics, so he started running for mayor. You know, even after he'd resigned from Congress in disgrace, he was running this aggressive campaign for mayor. That crashed and burned because it turned out that he was, again, doing a very similar thing, taking photographs of his stuff and sending them out. And, you know, ultimately, it turned out that one of the people who he was sending stuff to was a, a minor. <laughs> so he was convicted and ultimately sentenced to 21 months in federal prison for transferring obscene material to a minor. All right, so why are we going back through the Anthony Weiner, you know, schedule and, and history? Well, because he's back. He's got a radio show. They've just announced that he is going to be doing a weekend radio show on WABC Radio starting this weekend. They're going to pair him with Curtis Silva, who is the guy who's 
uh, he, his, came to, his claim to fame was when he was a member of the Guardian Angels, and he's run for office a lot of times in New York, and he, he's done various radio shows. So he and Wiener are going to be doing a weekend radio show. Now, I have no problem with you know giving people second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth chances, but again, it's just the whole idea of the cancel culture. One guy gets fired because he says he doesn't like women's sports, or at least in this case the WNBA, and uh, another guy um, now gets a radio show despite the fact that he did you know close to two years in federal prison for repeatedly sending pictures of his junk in some cases to minors it's just you just kind of wonder what exactly is the standard okay it's okay to do this you get the radio show you get to keep it but don't you know don't say that you don't like women's sports it's kind of frustrating is to try to figure out where this all you know tries to fall down all right, we talk a lot about this on this program about crime. I always refer people to the Milwaukee Police Department crime statistics and then they, you know, they have this website that's out there. It's always a couple days behind, but it gives you an idea of where things are. Last year, when it comes to murders, homicide, last year was a record year for homicides in the city of Milwaukee. There were their website says 191. I think there were actually 194, but whatever, 191. We'll use that number. This time last year, there were 14. This year, there are 29. Let, let's put that in perspective. There are twice as many homicides this year, same time as last year. Twice as many homicides. And last year was a record year, which comes on the heels of 2020, which was a record year when there was 190. So when it comes to the spiraling violence, there, there's just no stopping this. And, and this is these are the homicide numbers. These are people that die. This doesn't include all the people that get shot. And as I always argue, homicides is somewhat misleading because anytime there's a shooting, it is but for either the grace of God or the value of emergency medicine that, that somebody doesn't end up dead. So 29 homicides this year, and I think that might actually be one or two low. But again, another day, more deaths. Yesterday you had the story about apparently there was a a 10-year-old who was found dead with blunt force trauma injuries. Huh, it doesn't get much worse than that. And then the story that I want to talk about a little bit. There's a a bar slash social club a downtown Milwaukee, but but in in a very prominent area. If, if you can imagine Water Street, just south of Wisconsin Avenue. If you can picture that, there's Wisconsin Avenue. If you're moving south towards the Third Ward on Water Street, then you've got Michigan. Then you've got Clybourne. The Brownstone Social Lounge is located just between Michigan and Clybourne on Water Street. So you're talking, you know two blocks south of Wisconsin Avenue, the corner of Wisconsin Water, which is arguably, you know, one of the the most busy downtown, you know, areas uh, around. So this isn't a remote part of the city of Milwaukee. What happened apparently, according to, well, the information that is out there, is there was a a shooting around 10 o'clock on Thursday night. 31-year-old Milwaukee woman was killed. Two 23-year-old men were injured. They are expected to survive. What apparently happened is at this club, they, they have a policy of not allowing people under the age of 27 in because they believe that 
they're trying to avoid violence. It's like, look, we're, we're trying to we're trying to keep the the young people who might be more inclined to act out. We're trying to keep them out. Well, here's what the Brownstone Social Club has to say about what happened last night. While celebrating Black History Month, Brownstone Social Lounge is yet another victim to the growing violence happening in Milwaukee and now apparently spreading to the downtown area. The Brownstone Social Lounge, which prides itself on being a safe haven for black professionals and restricts its access to young people under the age of 27, so meaning that you've got to be 27 or older to get in, to avoid the far too often unpredictable violence associated with that demographic, fell prey to a shooter who was denied access. The shooter left three employees injured in the way of being rejected from entrance and now the brownstone staff is left to pray for the swift recovery of their colleagues thankfully because of the tight relationship the brownstone has with the milwaukee police department they are working feverishly with their security surveillance to apprehend the suspect so let's translate apparently what happened is you had somebody who tried to get into the club he was for whatever reason was denied admittance pulls out a gun shoots three of the employees kills a 31-year-old woman and injures two 23-year-olds. Again, presumably because they wouldn't let him into the club. Now, if this sounds eerily familiar, remember, what was it, about 10 days ago or so, you had the shooting at the George Webbs on 122nd and North. Remember that story? About 11.30 at night, you had women, that four women that were in the George Webbs restaurant. They were angry that their food wasn't being served quickly enough, so they started to cause a commotion. They were then tossed out of the George Webbs. One of the women goes out to the car, comes back with a gun. They punch a guy behind the counter in the face. He goes down, and then at essentially at least close to point-blank range, the woman shoots him in the face shoots him in the face. There now the two women, two of the four, are being held on $100,000 bail facing attempted first-degree intentional homicide charges. But here you have another situation where you have people that, again, they're mad because they got tossed out after causing a commotion because they weren't getting their food fast enough. So their response is to attack the employee and then to shoot him in the face while he is on the ground. Last night... You have a situation where three employees say, look, our, our, our policy is you got to be over 27. I don't know if the shooter was under 27 or if there was some other reason they didn't let him in, but his response was to shoot three people. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I do think it, it is, I mean, one of the takeaways of this is that the violence is spreading all over. I mean, this this isn't a shooting and a murder that happens in one of the areas that you might traditionally associate with with this, right? Um, it, it's not what you would consider. I mean, downtown is not what I would consider to be a high-crime area. Um, I, 122nd and North is not what I would consider to be a high-crime area. And yet you have people working at both these places who have been shot severely injured and in one case killed. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I ask this somewhat rhetorically, but my question is, given this this random violence that is spreading like a giant stain, and it used to be you could say, okay, well, downtown is safe, or you know, you don't, don't have to worry if it's 122nd and north, that, that's going to be safe. But given all this stuff that is going on, 
really, is there anywhere around here that you would consider to be safe? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And that is safe as either a patron or safe to work at. I mean, it's almost like it is open season now on employees. And a guy gets shot at George Webb simply because... I don't know. You, you throw out rowdy customers. Three people get shot last night at this rest at this bar, uh, social club, because they're trying to enforce the rule. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Really, is there anywhere that's safe to go around here nowadays? We discuss in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Wondering what 2022 will have in store? Join WTMJ next Thursday, February 17th, for a day-long broadcast on topics that impact your everyday life. Politics, the economy, health, and more. Big issues from big names on the biggest stick in the state. It's WTMJ 2022 taking place next Thursday, February 17th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and sponsored by the Bartolotta Restaurants. Find out more information at WTMJ.com. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. It's, it's frustrating that you, you turn on the radio news or you pick up a newspaper, you turn on the television, and every day you see more homicides that are going on. And the, the ones yesterday really got your attention. First of all, there's the 10-year-old who dies by blunt force trauma. But then there, there's the shooting, and, and this is, it's the heart of downtown. It, it's Water Street, south of Wisconsin Avenue, about a block, right before you get into the Third Ward. You know, kind of the, I mean, maybe the, the, the middle of what I would say the entertainment district. It's not, it's right down the street from City Hall, for a, example. And then you get into the Third Ward, and you have, you know, a 31-year-old woman working at a club who's shot by somebody who's denied entrance, which is eerily similar to what happened at the George Webb restaurant about 10 days ago, where you have these two 20-year-olds who are upset because their food doesn't come out fast enough. So their response is to punch out one of the people behind the counter and then attempt to execute him by shooting him in the face. My my point about all this is it's really now getting to the point. It used to always be you could say, hey, don't worry. Crime is confined to certain areas. And if you stay out of those areas, you're, you're likely to protect yourself. No more. You know, we've seen this with car thefts, which now all across the city, whether it's car thefts or you leave your car on the street, and even if your car is left there, it's still on the street, you know, what are the chances that you're going to come back and find the windows cracked open, smashed open, and somebody's been rifling through it looking for, for money? But now you're, you're seeing the gun violence that is extending through this. Jeff, I don't understand what goes through the minds of people. Between road rage and these incidents you just described, I can't understand people's behavior and reaction to something as trivial as their food taking too long or not being admitted into a bar. If I thought the service at a place was poor, I might decide I'm not going to come back. I might not give them any more business in the future. But the thought of attacking or shooting an employee would be the furthest things from my mind. What do these people think is going to happen to them after they do something like it? Is it really worth ruining your life because a meal was taking too long to be served well right that's that is that is what rational normal people would think what the texture is expressing the problem of course is you have too many people out on the streets who have the impulse control of fruit flies and no 
no sense of right or wrong a- at all. Now, I understand that there's some people who might say, well, well, this is the gun culture. This is because guns are too accessible. And, and, and yes, in a, in a perfect world, one of the psychos, for example, though those women that were at uh, the George Webb or whoever ultimately was responsible for the shooting outside that bar last night, it, it, right? in a perfect world, they would not have be able to get their hands on guns. Unfortunately, we don't live in a perfect world. So I, I think maybe the, the question you need to focus on is why do you have this criminal element that's out there that just feels so entitled to do this stuff? And, and what do we do to protect ourselves? Again, my my guess, and it is just a guess, but I think I'm on pretty safe ground here. When they catch the person who shot those three people last night, my guess is it is going to be somebody who has been through the criminal justice system before. Maybe maybe last night was the night, first day that you wake up and say, gee, I, I'm getting turned away from this club and I'm mad and now I'm going to pull out my piece and I'm going to shoot three people. Maybe it would be their first contact with the criminal justice system. But let's face it, you and I both know that that is not the case. Jeff, I sold my house I'm renting until I find a home to buy out of Milwaukee. I grew up in Door County and I can't believe what people tolerate here. The crime, the trash, the bad driving. I think Milwaukee is a third world country. I'm moving back up north. This is ridiculous. Well, I think there's, you know, an element of that. And and I think law-abiding citizens are starting to reach this point where they're not going to tolerate this anymore. I don't know about the chattering class of politicians, but I also... I mean, I wonder, you, know, you, you hear these stories, your kid, your grandkid comes to you and says, hey, I've, I've, I've got a job, I'm going to work as a bartender at this place, or I'm going to work the door, or I'm going to you know, work at this fast food place. Anywhere in these areas, you wonder if you want to say to that kid, are you nuts? Because you're taking your life in your own hands. And I understand some people might say, oh, that's a generalization, to which my response would be, all right, we're double the number of homicides this year from last year. Double the number of homicides. At some point in time, don't we have to say enough is enough? And where is that leadership going to come from? Oh, by the way, you've got a mayoral primary next Tuesday. This is Jeff Wagner, back with more in just a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Welcome back. I, I want to have a, a discussion that appeals to one of the things I've been trying to describe my program as to people is I, I think it's you know, sensible conversation for sane people because I, I understand that out there, there, there there's people on, on fringes who on, on various issues who just you're not going to get them off the fringes but I, I try to have a real world approach to things so let's talk about vaccination requirements for a minute and this is from my perspective as somebody who believes in I, I am vaccinated and I have my booster shot, and, I, and I've had COVID. So I guess I figure I'm as protected as you possibly can be. Here, here's what we we know, especially with these new variants that, that are out there. Even if you are vaccinated and boosted with some of these new variants, it's not going to necessarily stop you from getting COVID again. But in all likelihood, it's going to stop you from being seriously ill, which, which to me is the justification of this. Vaccines have been around for over a year now. There was a story that got me thinking about this in the Chicago Tribune. Um, there, there are a lot of people out there who, who've decided to, to get vaccinated. But if you look at, at the, the raw numbers in the polls, there's about 15% of adults who are, are dug in. 
and they say that they're definitely not going to get vaccinated. And that has been kind of a consistent number. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you threaten them with losing their jobs. It doesn't matter if you fire them from their jobs. They're, they're not going to get vaccinated. They're, they're dug in in these different positions. Uh, they're saying today the city of New York is expected to fire about 3,000 municipal workers who have refused to get their coronavirus vaccines. All right, that's it. Now, that's that's probably, you know, less than 1% so that the city can continue to go. But you're still taking these 3,000 people and you're firing them because they're, they're refusing to get it. That, that's just kind of the reality. So my, my question is, for where we are now in the pandemic with more and more people being vaccinated and having protected themselves with the availability now of the new treatments that are out there. What do you do with these 15% of the population who's just flat not going to get the vaccine? And and, it's, and by not getting the vaccine, let's be honest, they, they primarily put themselves at risk. I mean, that, that's just, that is what the reality is. Yes, is it possible that... Somebody who's been vaccinated and boosted and has had COVID, you know, could get COVID again and could end up in the hospital. Yeah, that, that's possible, but that's not the likely alternative. By not getting vaccinated, you are putting yourself at risk. And thankfully, there, there's only a, a relatively small subset of people that are out there doing it. But but given the fact that those people have just, they're, they're dug in, they're, they're not going to do it. Do we treat them as modern-day lepers? Or is it time to say, okay, let, let's lift these ma- vaccine mandates. Let, let's just recognize that we're now at a point where we have to figure out, what's the phrase we hear, how to live with COVID, that COVID's going to be endemic. We understand that the people who have made the decision not to get vaccinated aren't going to change their opinions. We're not going to be able to bully them into changing their opinions. We're not going to be able to cajole them into changing their opinions. They're, they're, they're flat out dug in. So should we maybe say, all right, given the fact that we have succeeded in getting the vast majority of the population vaccinated, is it time to just say we're going to pull these vaccine mandates and just let things play out? 855-616-1620. And if your answer to that is no, my follow-up question is going to be, okay, well, what are we now going to do with that 15% of the population who, who is just isn't going to do it? doesn't matter what you can do. You cannot make them get vaccinated. And... Are, are we going to now put them, set them up for government assistance? Are we going to say, okay, you can't work at jobs anymore? What, what are we going to do to deal with that? Is it maybe time to say, look, we, we've done everything we can. We've had, in general, I think a very, very good response to the vaccines. We're going to try to continue to persuade people to get vaccinated and boosted, but it's now no longer time to have that stick. What do you gain right now by firing those 3,000 people in New York? I mean, I mean, seriously, what what do you gain? They've been working for the last two years. We're starting to come out of the, the pandemic. The numbers are starting to improve. What do you get by, by firing them? What do you get by firing anybody at this point in time who's apparently now willing to be fired or has, in fact, been fired? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
There's a really interesting story in the Chicago Tribune today that, that it, it focuses on people who are dug in, they're not going to get vaccinated. People who've lost their jobs, they don't care. People who've been told that I can't go to concerts or I can't do this or I can't do that, they don't care. They're not going to get vaccinated. And if you look at the polls, it's about 15% of the American public. They've had the opportunity to get vaccinated. They're just not going to do it. And so the question becomes, given that we've done everything we reasonably can, we've made the vaccines available, we've threatened people, we've cajoled people, we've done all this stuff, and still you've got this certain percentage who it doesn't matter what we do, they're not going to get vaccinated. You can think that's a dumb idea. It doesn't matter. They're not going to get vaccinated. At this point in time, yes, the question becomes, is it time to lift the vaccine mandates and say to this group of people, okay, you're, you're, you're sort of on your own, but we're not going to say that you can't make a living. We're not going to say that you can't go out in, in public. We're just going to say, okay, you're taking a risk if you do this. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Ken in McGuanago. Ken, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it very much. I listen to your show sure. off and on. I'm, I'm a definite conservative. I'm, I'm unvaccinated. I, I really appreciate uh, hearing the other side to f- figure out where you guys are exact, exactly coming from. You know, I'm a big Ron Johnson fan. There's nothing out there that says that the vaccine has really done any good at all if you really compare the true facts of it all. And that's what's been so frustrating because it's been hard to figure out why the truth has been so tucked away. I don't know if it's in the name of profit for selling more vaccines, but um, what we're coming from is, you know, a nutritional thing because we've been in nutrition for shit 40, 50 years. So as we're looking at this, it's like, well, how can we build out our own immune system to make ourselves immune from this? And we are. You know, and if we ever experience the symptoms of COVID again, I will go right back to ivermectin and... and well, uh, well, well, Ken, let, let me stop you there because I don't want to kind of go down this route, but right. is there anything that anybody is going to be able to do that would make you get vaccinated? Is there any threat? Is there any no. carrot? So you're, you're just dug no, in. The, you're not getting vaccinated. Exactly. And the fact that you're calling people lepers or comparing us to lepers for doing that, you're just building a fear factor that's kind of wacky. Um, okay. That's not true. Okay, thanks, thanks for the call, not, Ken. Right, Ken, thanks for the call. Now, I, I wasn't calling you a leper. I was actually, that was the... I was talking, I'm the one who's saying it's time, by the way, to drop the mandates because we are creating the, the, these two classes of, of citizens. I, I'm, make me real clear here, I'm advocating that we're at a point where I think it now makes sense to say, okay, we, we've done everything we, we possibly can to encourage people to get vaccinated. The people that aren't getting vaccinated are the people that, that have all the different reasons, and you, you might think it's makes sense you might think it's wacky it doesn't matter they're not getting vaccinated so what do we do (coughs) excuse me and what do we gain by saying you're going to be fired 855-616-1620 gianni and Matello. hi gianni uh hello jeff hey listen i've been vaccinated but it's time to remove the, the, the the vaccine mandates now look uh let's let's offer some detente here um if you want to remain unvaccinated going forward for the next year that's fine um and you should not lose your job three thousand employees are there because uh new york needs them but if you happen to get sick and need to be hospitalized for a covid related uh, illness then 
you have to write a check because the right. the, the state of New York isn't going to pay for that. Um, that that seems to be a reasonable um, uh, solution to this problem. It's quite simple. Well, and that, I mean, thanks for the call, Gianni. I mean, I guess, guess that's the the questions there. I, I do think it's perfectly fair, and, and I've argued this all along, to treat people who are unvaccinated differently than people who are vaccinated from a health insurance perspective, just like um, at many, many companies, if you're a smoker, you, you pay more for your health insurance than if you're a non-smoker. I understand some people don't like that and they think it's a slippery slope and, you know, what happens? Are they going to go after obesity next or, or things like like that? And, and I, I understand all that. So I think that you can do stuff like that. But, I mean, I really wonder, what what are we going to do can we really say to the 15% or I'm getting some people who are texting saying we think it's probably actually more than that. Okay, let's say it's 25% of Americans who just flat out are not going to get vaccinated. So do we say to them, all right, you can't participate in society. You you can't work because of of this decision. And I, to me, that's just not an acceptable response. You can try to convince them to do it. But unless there's some direct tie, what we have to do now in the beginning when we were pushing vaccinations, it was again we were trying to we were trying to flatten the curve and all that. And in many respects, I think we we have. I don't want to be premature about this, but nowadays with the new variants, even if if you're vaccinated and boosted, that you can still come down with COVID. You just don't end up in the hospital, which which is worth it, in my opinion, for why you would get vaccinated and boosted. But at the same time, if people are willing to accept that risk can we say to them all right you're, you're going to lose your job and, and what do we ultimately gain by that because if the threat of lose the, the whole idea behind these mandates in many respects was to force people to get vaccinated and i think it did force a lot of people to get vaccinated but there's still a lot of people that haven't been so at some point in time do we have to drop those mandates or do we just simply say to this huge chunk of society you can't participate paul in dundee paul you're on wtmj a couple things i I really appreciate you discussing this and i agree with your premise that you know it's like okay you're not going to convince these people period let's get back to living Right. You're taking a far bigger risk by not getting vaccinated. And that's what I want to push back on that first caller. Yeah. You know, a reasonable guy, it sounded like, except he said, well, there's no difference, except it's like 17 or 20 times more likely you're going to die if you're not vaccinated. The good news is most of us are going to be OK. That's that's the good news. But 800,000 people passed away. And I know there's there's so much misinformation about this that it's hard to have a conversation. So I really appreciate you, you know, saying what you're saying and, and letting us put this out right there is a risk a much higher risk if you don't get vaccinated but it is time to open up i mean what are we going to do hide forever well well, right and and thanks for the call and i guess that that's that's my only point about this it's just you the people are dug in they're they're not going to comply anymore so what what do we do do we just say we're gonna and look you want to make it clear you are exposing yourself if you get covid and you're not vaccinated and you're not boosted you are at much greater risk of ending up in the hospital and the morgue than, than those of us who have gotten vaccinated gotten boosted all, all gotten our boosters and all those type of things but but sometimes you, you just can't and unless unless you want to advocate for the government drag 
dragging people out of their homes and enforcing vaccinations, which I am not in favor of. I don't think that anybody, well, people might think it's a good idea, or but I, the, the government is not going to do that. Here's a text, Jeff. I work at a massive company. Today, they lifted all mask mandates, vaccinated and unvaccinated. Yeah, see, I think that this is, this is where we're going to get to at this point in time that the fact that we're, we're starting to come out of the, the pandemic and i know people are still dying and things like that i, I understand it but we're, we're starting to come out of this and it, at some point in time you do get to a point where you have to go into what i'm going to call assumption of of the risk and and by that i mean it, it's just like just like cigarette smokers you you decide you want to smoke all right, that that's the decision that you are making. You are putting yourself at risk. You have and you, you have a much greater chance of, of coming down with various ailments if you are a smoker than if you are a, a non-smoker. I do this thing with Freighter every month, and it's, it's just always amazing. I remember a couple of months ago, I, I did an interview with one of their their doctors who deals with like <clears throat> lung-related issues, and I said, you know what? What percentage of this is traced to smoking? And he said, well, it's, you know, he said, it's it's almost all. He said, I'd, I'd say 90-some percent. He said, if people didn't smoke, he said, I'd probably be out of business, which would be, you know, a, a great thing in some respects because people would be healthier. But it's a decision that you make. I think we're going to get to a point where the, the whole vaccination question is like that as well. And please do not interpret this conversation as being that, oh, Jeff is, is anti-vaccine. I, I'm not. But I'm also pro-reality. And we're getting to this point now where, the reality is that lots of people had the chance to get vaccinated. Everybody's pretty much had a chance to get vaccinated after a year plus, And the people who haven't have pretty much decided that they're just not. And threatening to take their jobs away isn't going to change it. Threatening to say that they can't go to concerts isn't going to change it. So do we need to just drop all this and just say, okay, if you're doing this, understand that you are taking a much greater risk for yourself. Um, Vic in Madison. Vic, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, thanks for taking the call. I, uh, I was upset with the guy from McWanago, which seems rather typical of anti-vaxxers. Uh, no explanation at all for all those people who are in hospitals now or can't get into hospitals because they have other situations, and hospitals are loaded up with people who are uh, anti-vax. Uh, it, it's disturbs me no end that there's no consideration at all for those people out there you know i've been vaxxed i've been boosted i did it for selfish reasons i did it for reasons for other people uh and it's just beyond me uh as i told your screener if you gave me a chance uh to be emperor of the world i would tell the anti-vax people when they come to the hospital because they have covid that you go out in the triage area in the parking lot, that's where you get the care, but you have to pay cash before you do it. And guess what? If you have to pay cash, trust me, you know, they'll, uh, they'll end up doing whatever they can to get the vaccine. Yeah, well, Vic, th- I mean, I, thanks for calling. Look, I, again, I, I appreciate the sentiment. What I was trying to do in this segment is, is not have the vaccine versus non-vaccine discussion because, 
people are dug in. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, we, we've we've heard both sides in, in the last twenty minutes. People people are dug on, and you're you're not going to change people's minds anymore, and you're not going to be able to force them to do stuff. Three thousand people in New York are going to get fired today. They're going to lose their jobs because they're, they're refusing to get vaccinated. They they have made that decision, and you might think that that's a selfish decision, and you might think it's a stupid decision. Doesn't matter. It's a decision that they've made. So I guess my question is, where do we end up going? from here and and given that we seem to be getting a handle on this pandemic i think where we go from here is to say okay we're we're not going to treat people who haven't gotten vaccinated as lepers we're we're not going to treat them as second class citizens there might be some consequences first of all the consequences that they have that they're going to be in the hospital and stuff and and maybe you can tinker around the edges with the insurance and things like that but they continue to put vaccine vaccine mandates in when people have clearly already spoken and said we're not going to do it. I wonder what the purpose is. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. When you go on Twitter or post things on Facebook or whatever, sometimes your your tweets or your posts do not age well. That that's you you know, you make a prediction. I think the Packers are going to the Super Bowl this year, and and I think that they're going to win in a walk away. Well, okay, if, if you sent that tweet out, it it did not age very well. Other times, but but sometimes it takes a little while to figure that out. Other times there are are tweets or posts which were just incredibly stupid when they were posted and it wasn't even a question of aging well it was just dumb at the beginning which brings me to the story of democratic state representative lee snodgrass who represents the the appleton area now what's going on in madison right now is there's an effort by republicans to pass a series of education reform bills which would essentially give parents more control over what goes on in local schools. In addition to that, it, it would break up MPS into you know four to eight smaller districts. It would also expand you know school choice to give people opportunities. If, if you believe, if you don't have enough money to go to a private or parochial school, and you view your kids as being trapped in a failing public school, it would give expanded opportunities for your kids to, to be able to do that. So into this, Wade State Representative Lee Snodgrass, and her response to these hearings that are going on is to send out a tweet that says, quote, if parents want to have a say in their child's education, they should homeschool or pay for the schooling. Hmm. Pay the private school. Homeschool or pay the private school. Well, that 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 did not I would describe it as not aging well, but that's actually, you know, not a fair description of this. If parents want to have a say in their child's education, they should homeschool or pay for private school tuition out of their family budget. So in other words, if you are poor, for example, okay, just you, you're, you're, you're stuck. You shouldn't have any sort of say in your, your kid's education. Well, well, this 
raised all sorts of eyebrows, enough so that the people even started going to Tony Evers and saying, well, what do, what do you think about this? And Evers said, well, you know, I no, this is wrong. Parents are the first and best teachers our kids have, and we know parent involvement in their kids' education is critical to ensuring every student's success. Recognizing, perhaps, how stupid this particular tweet was, she immediately started backtracking, saying, well, I, I've deleted this uh, because I, my tweet was lacking in nuance. Um, yeah, and easily misinterpreted. I wouldn't want anyone to think their parent that parents do not have a role in their child's education. Um, I encourage all parents to engage in voting for school boards, meet with teachers. My point is we should be fully funding our public schools and that diverting funds away from our public schools only makes it harder for parents to have the relationships we deserve with our kids, teachers, and their schools. Okay, our, our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, first of all, I, I think let's... Let's understand th- th- this point here. I think to suggest that parents should not play an active role in trying to deal with this situation, deal with their kids' education, and if that means, I don't know, if that means pressuring school boards on curriculums, if that means checking things out and seeing, okay, what, what's being taught in the classes and what are the standards that are there, I, I think parents should have every right to do that and to suggest otherwise I think is wrong. On top of that, from the perspective of kids who are, again, trapped in those public schools that may be failing, wh- why shouldn't? Parents who do not have the wherewithal to send kids to private schools, why shouldn't they have an option as well? Why should their only option be the public schools? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Jeff, because public tax dollars are meant for public education, if you want to send your kid to a private school, then use your own money. Diverting funds from public schools only makes them weaker. No, 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 no. See, I think that's the complete wrong way to look at it, and it's why so many schools have been failing for so long. And, look, I'm, I'm a product of public school education. So, I mean, some schools do, I think, a, a really, really good job, and some fail. Diverting funds from public schools only makes them weaker. No, not allowing choice makes the schools weaker because there's no competition. There's nothing to do. There's nowhere to go. What do you say to that poor family who cannot afford to send their kid to a private school and yet there's a failing public school system so what's the object there okay well here we're going to continue throwing money into this failing public school and you child from a poor background you don't have any options you don't have any choices you cannot get out no competition is what makes the schools stronger nobody at least i don't think anybody should be talking about choking off funding to public schools but this idea that this is take it or leave it um, I don't think that that makes schools weaker. Matter of fact, it allows failing schools to continue to fail without putting any sort of pressure on them. 855-616-1620. Jeff and Milton. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Um, the frustrating thing for me, this comment by this state representative, we already pay for public schools through our taxes. So it's almost like she's forgotten where the money for public schools comes from. And if I choose to send my kids to a private school, 
It doesn't mean I stop paying taxes for public school. I still pay that in addition to paying for my kids to go to private school. It's like our politicians have kind of forgotten where the money comes from. It it comes from us. That's where it's coming from through our taxes. So that's my question. No, no, no. Thanks for the call. No, and, and since you're paying for this, what you have a right to do is I think you have a right to have a say in, okay, what's the curriculum going to be? You know, what, what is going to happen here? You know, what's going on in the schools? And look, I, I, I'm, look, this is somebody, I come from a perspective of somebody who did not have children myself, but I mean, I live, I live for most of my adult life in a community where there was a very, very good public school system. I, I live in Whitefish Bay. People wanted to move into Whitefish Bay because they wanted to send kids to the Whitefish Bay school system, and, and it, it was great. I supported that school system, even though I didn't have kids in it, you know, with my tax dollars, and it, and it worked out well because, you know, it, it was a desirable community to be in. When I got ready to sell my house, you know, you had people that wanted to move in with kids because they wanted to go to school there. So I, I think having a vibrant public school system is, is important. But at the same time, I just have never understood this idea and this arrogance that some people have that you're not entitled to choices. And if you do not have the wherewithal, you're in a, a failing school system. And you do not have the wherewithal to send your kid to the private or the parochial school. All right, then it's a situation where you simply say, "Okay, well, you're you're just stuck. This is it. We're going to trap your kid in this failing educational system. They're not going to get these opportunities. How can you deny that to these children?" Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Doug on the east side. Doug, you're on WTMJ. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Um, certainly, I think competition is good. Uh, choice is good. Uh, the taxpayer dollars, is all, that all makes sense to me. But I think it needs a little bit further uh, review and consideration. Um, one thing that we have yet to grapple with is parochial schools and religious education. There's nothing wrong with religious education, for example. But, you know, if, I, if I'm Jewish, do I want my child going to the only local school, which is Catholic, and that's the only good one available? Maybe not. How about minority discrimination? What if the private school is discriminating against minority teachers? Does the government come in and regulate that? The concepts are good. A little tougher, and I think we really got to figure out how to do it in practice and make sure that it's done right. And I and thanks for calling. I mean, and I think that's that that I think that that's fair, Doug. I mean, I think there's values to uh, a parochial school education, but I, I mean, I, I do think that's fair. But at the same time, I think as a general rule. I believe that that competition makes things better. Not having competition and simply saying, give me more money, has not worked in in many different school districts. And this idea that, oh, we can't have competition, we we can't have these standards, and and you're not going to have any choice, and you're not going to have any alternatives, that's not fair to the kids. It's just not. Um, Jeff, I was part of a dissatisfied parent group, unhappy with how our school board administration was running our schools, so we started running for the school board while attending school board meetings and pressuring administration to tidy up the school. I believe everyone should take a turn serving on a school board. It's a real eye-opener, but you can't get things done and improve education you know, for your, your children. Well, that, that's right. That this idea that... You know, we, we don't want parents involved, and, and parents should just, like, stay out. And, and look, and I, I understand that, again, sometimes you go to the fringes, and I understand that COVID has, 
in many respects, it's made everybody crazy. And so you have these contentious school board meetings where you, you have people getting hauled out and cops having to be called and people who are threatened and stuff like that. And nobody should do that. I mean, there's a process that you go about trying to affect change. And, and people get carried away on all sides of these, these various issues. But that's not to say that there's not room for, for involvement. That's not to say that a community shouldn't set forth certain community standards. And if you've got an administration or a principal or a school board that's decided that they, you know, want to do stuff that is not in compliance or not consistent with what the standards of the community are, I think the parents have every right to start to rebel to something like that. Jane in Muskego. Jane, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. See, um, I'm a retired teacher. I taught for 25 years. And um, the debate can go on on our public versus parochial, more money versus not more money. But what I can tell you, after being immersed in this public school system for 25 years, the big changes I have seen is that the public schools are becoming a business that they want. When I say they, I don't know who they is, the state, Mm -hmm. the public. But it seems like it's a very business-like and that is what's hurting, our, uh, hugely impacting our education or lack of. And it's impacting Jane, when you say the business, children, when, when you, you say know, business, when Jane, when you say business, what what exactly do you mean? I'm not I'm not sure we understand. What what are your what are your, can you give me some specifics or what are specifically are you referring to? Um, a business like the corporate world. Um, they're taking out the human factor when you're working with children. It's a whole different ball of wax than when you are sitting in an office um, having a task to do. What I've seen was teachers being given tasks to do more and more, class sizes getting bigger, tasks increasing, and our time taking away from the children because we have these tasks to do, such as fill out reports such as this educator effectiveness um, thing they have going on. It's a business. When it comes to curriculum, we um, the school board votes on which curriculum they want to follow. Well, then all of a sudden, four or five years later, it changes again. It's a money-making thing, this curriculum, you know, the curriculum, mm-hmm. all the school supplies. It, it's sad. It's really sad because there's a lot of great teachers. There's a lot of great schools, and yet they're saying they're failing because maybe they're not playing the business game. You've got. To, I think everybody needs to take a hard look at this education system. The children have to be first. Absolutely, we cannot worry about. I don't want to say we can't worry about money, but we have to. You know, they put in big class sizes. Common sense tells you the bigger the class is, the less individual time the kids are going to have. They're um, changing, pulling out um, licensed support staff for reading and math, and they're hiring people off the street because of the money. So taking away money is not the answer here. I don't know what is, but I think everybody's got to work together 
to really take a hard look at our public school system. And I, I heard some conversation about the have and the have-nots because the have-nots cannot pay for their children to go somewhere. You know, I've seen charter schools, I've seen parochial schools, I've seen public schools. I've seen good and I've seen bad. So I won't say one is better than the other because each one is so individual individual, and depends upon the people that are in that school with that environment. But I can see the difference of the have and the have-nots getting bigger in the education system. Yeah, Jane, thanks for the call. I pre- and, and see, and I guess that, that, that's what, that's where I come down on the whole idea. I think competition makes, makes people better. And I, I'm not talking about defunding places. Uh, I'm not saying you defund the schools. I, I do think that just throwing money at stuff, maybe if you've got this, this, for example, you've got this huge bureaucracy, throwing money into this bureaucracy that doesn't translate into, into the classrooms, to me, that doesn't make any sort of sense at all. I, I want to get parents involved. And I guess circling back to where we started with this, to, to suggest to even imply that we, we want the parents to butt out. And, and I do think that, you know, that this particular state representative, I do think that's probably really where she comes down on. We, we want the parents to butt out. We want to stop you from being annoying. Don't, don't show up at those school board meetings. You know, don't, don't, don't challenge the curriculums. And by the way, I acknowledge this is a respectful way that you can do it. But I, I mean, I think the key to kids doing well is parental involvement. Kids parents caring about the schools, pressuring schools to get better. And if if there's not a choice, seems to me it's almost impossible for those schools to get better. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The big game is this weekend. Why not celebrate with a pizza prize pack from Palermo's? Try saying that three times quickly. Tune into Wisconsin's Afternoon News all week for your chance to win. And even if you don't win, you can serve restaurant-quality pizza at home while you enjoy the big game. Get Connie's Frozen Pizza, two for ten bucks at your local pick-and-save or Metro Market. Well, okay, the, the Super Bowl is coming up on Sunday, and the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals are going to play in it. One of the things that you, you might not know, now I was at the last Super Bowl the Packers played in. Seems like it was forever. Boy, you sure thought they'd be back sometime in the last 11 years. But the Packers win, and they, the game was in Dallas. So as, as you're leaving the stadium, there's all sorts of people that are out there that are hawking all these T-shirts and sweatshirts and stuff and caps and whatever that all say Green Bay Packers, Super Bowl champions, you know, whatever the Super Bowl number was. And it's like, it's wow, this is amazing. How did, how did they know that? Well, what happens is before the Super Bowl, you've got these vendors that will produce thousands and thousands of T-shirts, sweatshirts, face masks, caps, etc., um, say for both teams. So I'm looking at this right now. You know, I'm looking at a Cincinnati Bengals. You know, winner of Super Bowl, whatever. I'm looking at the, the T-shirt that that has already been printed, and there are thousands of them waiting to to be sold. Now you might say, well, Jeff, what happens to these T-shirts if they end up losing? Well, what happens is they they take all the T-shirts that they that they've printed up that say, okay, the Bengals are, are the champions. Well, the Bengals aren't the champions, so what do you do with them? Apparently, they, they bundle them all up, 
And then what happens is they they ship them overseas. (laughs) There's a Virginia organization called Good 360, which handles all the losing team Super Bowl swag. They also do the same for the NFC and AFC Finals and the World Series. And so what they do is they, they get this stuff. The retailers ship it there, and then what they do is they bundle it together, and then they send it overseas with, to nonprofits to distribute it to people who could use free clothes. Now, the interesting thing about this is there's a cottage industry that's kind of developed because there, there's some people who want these as, as keepsakes. So let's say you're a Bengals fan and the Bengals lose on Sunday. Well, okay, maybe you'd still like to have one of those t-shirts that says Bengals Super Bowl Champions 2022. So there's some people that are are willing to buy them anyways and trying to figure out how to do it. And actually what's happened is some of these losing t-shirts have actually become worth quite a bit of money because they're all supposed to be shipped overseas, but sometimes they still end up in this country. So you know, if you happen to be taking a trip to, I don't know, some somewhere, you know, in Africa or whatever, and you suddenly see, like, Cincinnati Bengals, you know, T-shirts, if the Bengals turn out losing, that that's how it is that they end up getting there. And you might want to make a cash offer because those T-shirts could end up being of value to something. Well, the, the Super Bowl this year for me is going to be a huge disappointment because the Packers aren't in it. And candidly, I I just really, as far as the game itself goes, I have very little interest in in what's going to happen. I I don't know why this is just the Super Bowl. I I just, I really don't care who it is that that ends up winning because as a Packers fan, I, I care quite a bit about the Packers, which brings me to something that happened last night. Aaron Rodgers, won his fourth Most Valuable Player Award. And this this is really rarefied air. I think there's only you know one other player that's had more than four MVPs. This is, and this is extremely, I think, surprising, given all the controversy that Rodgers was involved with in the offseason. Will he come back? Won't he come back? Then in the middle of the season, the whole question of, you know, was he vaccinated? Was he not vaccinated? Did he mislead or lie about that? All that stuff. So, you know, given all the controversy, controversy that was there to rise above that and win his fourth MVP award was was really, I I think, something special. I I guess I had two thoughts as I was watching some of the ceremony. First of all, just on a really superficial level, did anybody else think, Aaron, get a haircut? It's a, I, I almost wanted to say, Aaron, you know, that, 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 that long, greasy, like, hairstyle was, I mean, maybe, you know, that was 1971, but 1971 is calling, and, and once it's, it's hairstyle back, and if you thought you were, were doing this because you wanted to go to a Halloween party dressed like the John Wick character, okay, well, okay, Halloween was at the end of the month, at, at the end of October, get a, get a haircut. So that was the superficial thing. Secondly, listening to what he said, it, you know, I, I guess it was very, still very unclear to me. It wasn't like, gee, I, I'm all committed to coming back to the Packers. It wasn't, oh, I know for sure I'm going to retire. It wasn't like I want to play somewhere else. He was not exploring his different options. Oh, the one good thing is he said that you know, he wants to make a decision relatively quickly because it doesn't benefit anybody to drag this on. But before we put a, a final bow on the football season from last year, our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, moving forward, is it time for the Packers to move on? 
Is it time for the Packers, and I understand they're saying all the things, we, we want him back, but given the salary cap mess that they're in, given that he is playing at a high level, but he's going to be 39 years old next year, and Tom Brady notwithstanding, that's way past the point that a lot of quarterbacks have started to go into decline. And typically what happens with quarterbacks is once you hit a, a certain point, it's it's not just like a slow decline. It's kind of like you've fallen off a cliff. Right now, coming off a fourth MVP season, Aaron Rodgers could, um, I think the Packers could trade him. They could get a bunch of stuff for him. Are they short-term a worse team next year without Aaron Rodgers? Probably. At the same time, big picture, is it time to move on? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My thinking on this, if I were the Packers' brain trust, I'd, I'd be talking to Aaron about, okay, look, here, here's the deal. This is where we are. Maybe it's time for you to finish your career in Denver or somewhere else. Wouldn't you like to go there? 855-616-1620. What do you do if you're the Packers? We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. I, I just, I'm going to share with you some of the, the texts I get because it's really, <laughs> we'll take some calls in a minute too, but, but it's really, it's, when it comes to this issue, they're really, it is really like men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And this isn't a, it's a breakdown of gender lines. It's just, there's no middle ground on, on the Aaron Rodgers issue. Now keep in mind, when I say maybe it's time to move on, it is because the Packers also have huge salary cap problems. And, and Aaron Rodgers, even if they restructure his contract, he's going to eat up $35 million a, a year. So that means that they're going to have to get rid of several of the really good players that they had this year who weren't, I guess, able to get them to the Super Bowl. So you're going to have Aaron Rodgers coming back um, a year older with a, a diminished team. So I guess the question is, do you save that money? Do you make the trade? Do you get what you can from him? You can still get a lot. Fourth-time MVP, taking nothing away from him, and and maybe then start to build for the future, understanding that you're going to have to take a step back. 855-616-1620. Jeff, you need a very good quarterback to remain competitive over the long run. Keep Rodgers. Enjoy the next couple of years before a major rebuild is needed. Jeff, you bring up Aaron's age as if it's a bad thing for him. Well, okay, for professional athletes, yes. I mean, typically you reach a certain point and your butt does not age like fine wine. That's that's just the reality. Jeff, I think they're only really good with Rodgers in the lineup. Um, good thing you're not in charge. He won the MVP. Without him, we're barely 500. With him, we're contenders. Regardless of age, you find a way to keep him. Jeff, Aaron should never play in a uniform other than the Packers. Quarterbacks such as he are a rare commodity. We just should ride the horse till we can't ride it any farther. Um, yeah, okay, that's um, that's it. Jeff, Rogers still likes to keep everyone guessing. Last night he had he said it had been a nice 17 years in Green Bay. I think he's going to retire. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't. I don't think that there's anything about Aaron Rodgers and his competitive spirit which people don't. Almost nobody walks away from the game 
when they're still able to play. I mean, retirement lasts an awfully long time, and Aaron Rodgers, whose identity is tied up so much in, in being you know, a professional football player, I, I just I don't think he's going to sit, sit there and say, I, I'm going to retire. I, I just don't think that's it. Now, here's the flip side. Jeff, the guy's a bum and nothing but a thorn in the Packers' side. Package him up and ship him out. Get some good players for him. Um Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jeff, the chance of getting another quarterback of his caliber within the next ten years, let alone the next year or two, is negligible. Once he's gone, the Packers are going to be in the proverbial desert for a long, long time. Why hasten it? Keep him. Well, I guess that's the that's the question. Are are, are you giving up hope? If it's once Aaron Rodgers leaves, does that mean that the Packers aren't going to win any sort of games anymore, or is it just going to be a, a different sort of looking team? Now, if that's your approach. Well, you know, be prepared for some long falls because whether it's this year or next year or two years from now, Aaron Rodgers, he's at the end of his career. Now, if if you want to say you can milk another year or two out of him, that's fine. And that's what they're going to have to that's what they're going to have to do. But understand that it's going to end sometime soon. And the question is, if you end it now, can you get players that maybe might help the team come back and avoid the fallout. Jeff, I think it's time to move on. Get what you can. He will never be more valuable for a trade. They keep saying it could be a rough few years, but all they are doing is kicking the can down the road. Well, there you got that. Jeff, Aaron Rodgers is one of the few good quarterbacks in the NFL. We've got him. I want him to finish his career as a Green Bay Packers. I think the Packers should do everything possible to make that happen. And that's all well and good. But if... If in signing Aaron Rodgers, because of the salary cap problems, if in signing Aaron Rodgers, that means they've got to get rid of a couple offensive linemen, and they've got to get rid of a couple of their good players on defense, and they may or may not be able to bring Devontae Adams back. So you don't have anywhere near the supporting cast you had around him, and as a result, it's the Packers aren't contending for the Super Bowl next year, even with Rodgers. If that's the case, does it really get you where you want to go? I, I just, you know, ask this question. Um, Jeff, trade Rodgers, franchise Adams, uh, drop Crosby, build for the future, draft a quarterback who can throw. Um, yes, Joshua says, it's time to move on from Aaron Rodgers. Trade him while he's still worth something. Well, these are the big... These are the big questions that are, you know, out there. Um, Jeff, if Rodgers really cares about his team and wants to win a Super Bowl, he could not demand so much money and he could make it happen. What's more important, friends in a Super Bowl or more money than you can possibly spend? Well, okay, that's that's true, but that's the way quarterbacks keep score. And and one of the ways they keep score is is you know, you want to be the highest paid player at your particular position. And it, it's easy to say, well, you know, what difference does it make whether you're making $45 million or $35 million? It's still more money than you can spend in a lifetime. And there is an element of truth to that, but that's not the way that athletes think. I have no idea what the Packers are going to do. I, I just hope whatever it is, it happens relatively soon so we don't have this drawn out drama that we had last year. Having said all that, Kudos to Aaron Rodgers for an extremely special season. It's just too bad that the Packers aren't playing in the big game on Sunday. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
And this is Jeff Wagner. Now, believe me, I do not mean to be a Debbie Downer or a Donnie Downer on a Friday afternoon, but uh, for the second day in a row, the stock market down big. Actually, it was it was actually up a couple hours ago, but now it's plunging. The Dow is down 500 points. The Nasdaq is down 400 points. Here, here's what's going on. First of all, there's problems with inflation, as we talked about yesterday. And it was interesting. Joe Biden does an interview with Lester Holt from N- M- 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 NBC, and, and Holt says, well, you know, last summer you said that, that inflation was going to be transitory, and Biden gets kind of up. He says, well, what are you trying to do, be, be a wise guy? Well, okay, the question was, okay, what exactly do you mean by transitory? Because that was last summer. You said, oh, don't worry, it's going to pass. And, of course, we're getting the new numbers from January that show it, it's up 7.5%, and essentially inflation is costing each one of us, on average, $250 a month just e- just gone in increased prices but that's so it's inflation concerns but also i mean here's the breaking news story uh the u.s is apparently concerned that this invasion of russia russia's invasion of ukraine could happen any moment now here's the story in the wall street journal russia could invade ukraine during the olympics um the u.s uh their national security advisor is saying that they they're afraid that Putin could order an invasion invasion of the Ukraine at any time, even before the end of the Olympics. That the thinking was he's not going to be that provocative. He's not going to do it while the Olympics are going on, and they end February twentieth. But now the U.S. is saying, well, we're not sure that that's the case. They urged Americans to leave Ukraine on their own within the next twenty four to forty eight hours. He said the U.S. wouldn't conduct a military evacuation of citizens from a war zone. So in other words. If you're a U.S. citizen and you're still there, uh, get out because we're not coming to help you um, if there's an invasion. The time to leave is now, he says. This is the National Security Advisor. We're in a window when an invasion could begin at any time should Vladimir Putin decide to order it. Hmm. I don't think you'd be saying stuff like that and, and freaking out the stock market and getting people out of there unless you had a pretty good sense that the worst w- was coming and the worst was coming sooner rather than later. So if you're wondering what's going on in the stock market, it's inflation, but it's also the latest stuff on a Friday afternoon in Ukraine, which isn't good for world peace. Back with more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. I want to call an audible. We're going to lighten it up, as we always do in the second half of this hour. But this Ukraine story is just really scary. If you weren't listening just a couple minutes ago, here's the deal. The, The general thinking was... That if Putin were going, if Russia were going to invade Ukraine, it, it wouldn't come while the Olympics were going on. And apparently, that's now they're rethinking it. The, the story in the Wall Street Journal is the National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said today that he believes that Putin could order and invade Ukraine at any time. They are saying to Americans, "Get out." bug out. He urged Americans to leave Ukraine on their own within the next 24 to 48 hours. He said the U.S. would not conduct a military evacuation of citizens from a war zone. Let me translate. If you are in Ukraine and Russia invades, you are on your own. Hmm. Kind of a scary thing. New York Times reporting thousands of Russian troops 
yesterday began 10 days of exercises in Belarus, which is just to the north of Ukraine. Um, Ukraine warned of upcoming Russian naval drills so extensive they would block shipping lanes. By intensifying Russian military activity north, east, and south of Ukraine, um, it's very, very clear that there's... Russia is getting ready, apparently, to do something. Satellite images collected on Thursday revealed new deployments of Russian military equipment and troops in Crimea, western Russia, and Belarus. President Biden, warning Americans to leave, said that he would not send troops to rescue remaining U.S. citizens in the event of an invasion and risk direct conflict with Russian forces. There's a world war when Americans and Russians start shooting at one another. Huh. Um, Okay, so in other words, Americans, if you're still there, you are on your own. Don't call us. We will call you. On top of this, you have the the forces that that might be aligned to oppose Russia that appear to kind of be a mess. You've got you know Great Britain and the Prime Minister is involved in his own scandal, and it's kind of like day to day whether he's going to survive it. You've got Germany, which is still dependent on they've cut this deal to get natural gas from Russia, and they're not necessarily on board with other NATO sort of steps. So the question becomes, you know, is anybody going to step up? Step up? Our number is eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I also think, and I don't want to be too terribly political about this, but I'll I'll tell you what I think about it. I don't think Biden is intimidated. I don't think Putin is intimidated in any way, shape, or form by by Joe Biden. I, I don't think he takes him seriously. I don't think he feels that Biden can put together a coalition. And Biden's already said, at least apparently, that you know we're not even go, going to go in and try to rescue U.S. citizens because we don't want to shoot at Russians and start a war. So that's pretty clear. Joe Biden is the guy that got people out of Afghanistan, you know, um, creating the mess that that was caused. And so it's very apparent that I think he's reluctant to go back in there. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If, and, and I say if, Russia decides to move and to occupy this country, what should the U.S.'s response be? 855-616-1620. We discuss in just a moment. All right, what, what do we do? Because it's looking more and more like that is, is going to happen. Do we put troops on the ground? Do we put boots on the ground? Do you... I don't know, provide weapons to Ukraine to allow them to fight, although Ukraine seems to think that they're going to be overrun by Russia if this happens. Do you try to impose sanctions? Can you get everybody on board to impose sanctions when Germany is still buying tons of natural gas from Russia? 855-616-1620. What do you do? Or do you just let Putin take Ukraine? Who cares about Ukraine? It's not part of NATO. What do we care about it? 855-616-1620. What do we do other than tell any Americans that are still in Ukraine, get your butts out right away because if stuff, bad stuff starts happening, we're not coming to get you. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Yeah, this, this is, and again, I don't mean to be Donnie Downer on a Friday afternoon, but this is starting to get scary. If you're just tuning in, um, there's a lot of people saying, uh, the general consensus was that even if Putin invaded Ukraine, they wouldn't do it while the Olympics were going on. Now they're starting to say they're, they're not 
saying that that's the case at all, and Americans are being told, get out. Um, you have 24 to 48 hours to get out of Ukraine, and by the way, um, if Russia invades, we're not coming to get you. You are on your own. And Joe Biden's saying, well, that's how that's how world wars start. You know, if we've got American troops shooting at Russian troops. So if, if you are in Ukraine right now, um, <laughs> I think they're being as clear as possible that you're going to be left. <laughs> so you you better start getting out as quickly as you possibly can. But that sort of begs the question, what what do you end up doing? Now, I, I said before the break, and I stand by this, a number of people are texting this, I, I don't think Putin is afraid of Joe Biden. I don't think he respects Joe Biden. And I, I don't think he's going to be intimidated by Joe Biden. So the only way that you would, I, I think, the, the only way that this is going to not happen, I think, is if NATO decides that they're going to be unified with this and and indicate that there's going to be a response, not necessarily a military response, because, look, what what did we learn in Afghanistan? What did Russia learn in Afghanistan? It, it's that you know some of these different wars, trying to get involved in a shooting war with Russia in Ukraine from the perspective of the United States, I think is absolutely crazy, especially right now, given the fact that you have an administration that's already been clear that it doesn't want to commit American troops. So you saw that with Afghanistan. You saw that with the protracted pullout. I'm, And I don't know that Biden is wrong with, with that. But what needs to happen, and I think what already should have happened, is you need to uh, teach the Biden that there's Putin that there's going to be consequences if he ends up doing this, and significant consequences going after not just him, but going after the Russian oligarchs. And I don't think Putin thinks that the United States is going to do it. I don't think he believes that the West is going to do it. I think he feels that he can do this and get away with it, and there's not going to be anything other than some you know, people complaining at the ineffectual UN. And he may very well be right about that. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do I think that you can send troops in? Absolutely not. Do, do I think you can get in a shooting war? Absolutely not. Does that mean that we're probably not going to be able to stop Putin from doing whatever he wants. Unfortunately, yeah. Jeremy and Racine. Jeremy, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Geopolitically, I don't believe the United States is going to get involved. Anything beyond sanctions and or uh, military to Ukraine, um, there's really nothing much strategically for the United States to put that kind of interest into it. Um, I'm sure Putin, Putin's going to do everything he can to make sure he does not inadvertently attack a NATO ally, um, because that would that'd be incredibly horrible if that did happen. But as far as I'm concerned, that the pipeline is not even up and running yet. So Russia's going to be in a world of hurt if they do invade Ukraine. But I don't think it's going to go beyond anything, sanctions and, and arms. So if if you're Biden, do you just then do you just you let you let it go, or do you, you it's sanctions, it's sanctions, and then to the extent that you can provide Ukrainian rebels with rocket launchers and stuff like that, we do it. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the the uh, the game plan. It's, everybody that you, you hear on the radio, that's all they're really talking about is sanctions. Nobody really wants to get involved. Uh, Germany sent uh, helmets to Ukrainians. They don't want to give them any arms, so yeah. they don't really want to push any buttons here uh uk they're gonna send them supplies and things like that but everybody it, it pretty much at the table doesn't really want to get into a fighting shooting conflict with russia on this because it'll spread way beyond 
uh, right. and, Ukraine. And Ukraine isn't a member of European Peninsula. Yeah, no, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And Ukraine isn't a member of, of NATO, so there, there's no obligation to to do this. You know, I, I do think it is an interesting question as to whether or not Putin would have done this if, if Trump were the president. And, and the reason I'm not sure of this is because I think Donald Trump was unpredictable. And I think that's actually that, that unpredictability is one of the things that I think kept some of this aggression in check. Because, look, Putin doesn't want World War III. Now, let, let's be honest. He doesn't want World War III over this. And I think the question was, well, when Trump was president, you know, if he invades, what is Trump going to do? We don't know. Well, you know, in the case of Biden, I think he knows that there's not going to be certainly any military resistance that's going to come of this. And maybe he figures that, you know, the, the European coalition is so weak that the sanctions aren't going to really be of, of any sort of impact for any long-lasting time. I mean, I, I don't know that that's the case, but I, I think that's it. The bigger picture to me that's out there, and it's got to be part of the conversation, is it's, it's, it's not just Ukraine. That's there, but I, I think a lot of attention is being put on, on China, because you know China's been saber rattling about Taiwan for the longest time, and I think this is one of the factors. China is watching the United States, China is watching Europe, and I think China is trying to figure out, okay, if if the U.S. and NATO allows Putin to walk in and, and take Ukraine, right? What? What's going to happen if we decide to move on Taiwan? That is, if China decides to move on Taiwan, will the response be any different? And, and that's the, the the game and the dance that's going on now. And unfortunately, I, I don't know that Biden has any good answer to that. And I, I appreciate that it's a mess. Do I think you should get involved in the shooting war in Ukraine? No, I don't think there's enough U.S. interests to do it. At the same time, you got to be serious about consequences. And you got to say, okay, what we're going to do is, even if it somewhat destabilizes the banking system and stuff, we're freezing Russian assets. You know, we're limiting their access to markets. But you've got to have Europe on board, and I'm not sure Europe is, in fact, on board. Bottom line right now is the message is going out. If you're an American, get your butt out of Ukraine because we're not going to do anything to help you once the war starts. Whether or not that's the right message to send, I don't know. But if I was an American in Ukraine, I'd be taking that to heart, and I think I'd be headed for the border as quickly as I could. Back with more in just a couple minutes. We're going to find out what John McCure has on his mind for Wisconsin's Afternoon News, so please stick around.